How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, what's up, Atlanta? That's right. It is time for the latest edition of The Other Side of the Glass. I got you for the next two hours, taking you up until Hawks pregame. Should be a really fun one in New Orleans. Mike Conti and Steve Holman will bring you all the action coming up, starting with the pregame at 6.30. But we got to talk some college football real quick, and then we're going to get into the Falcons. This has been maybe since that first weekend where Colorado sort of burst onto the scene, taking down TCU. This may be the most exciting Saturday early window we've had so far this season. Let me catch you up if you missed it. We'll start with the early window here. Ohio State was given a real test for about two and a half quarters by Rutgers of all teams, but then they went ahead and did their thing. They remain undefeated. They win 35-16. The game you just heard right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Texas takes down Kansas State 33-30. That game going into overtime for it needing to get done. Somebody check on Carl Dukes. His pulse must be through the roof right now, but as he likes to say, hook them. They're still in playoff position. Next up, Old Miss, the lane train. Did it keep rolling? Well, barely. Eh, they hang on. 38-35. to 35. Texas A&M gave them all they could handle. But at the end, they go down to 4-3 and three, and just 3-3 three and three in the SEC. While Old Miss, who the dogs will be awaiting, they are now 8-1 and 5-1 and and in the conference. Maybe the biggest surprise of the day is Notre Dame getting knocked off by Clemson. The Tigers win 31-23. to What happened to Sam Hartman? That's a question that I would like an answer to. He started the year so strong, all the viral memes out there. He is uh, the ladies' choice for quarterback of the year, but I don't think he's uh, going to be anywhere near that Heisman Trophy. He was dancing around the first couple of weeks of the season. And then Tennessee, this one's not surprising, but just to keep you updated on all things SEC, they blow out UConn by a final score of 59-3. to Now, how about the Dogs taking on, you know, them Tigers that are ranked 12th in the country, and uh, it's been pretty much about as expected. Georgia is up 10-7 with just under 12 minutes to play in the second quarter. Brady Cook hit a deep shot. To Luther Burden, who is a real problem. If you haven't studied up on this guy, he's working himself into a first-round talent at wide receiver. He has, I believe, nine touchdowns on the season already. And then Georgia answers with a little revenge spot for Dominic Lovett. He scored a touchdown for the Dogs. Other games underway as well. 
bedlam going on right now. You got Oklahoma State at home. 14-7, they have the lead. And we don't know, could this be the last ever edition of Bedlam? You heard Coach Gundy come out earlier in the week and stake his claim for that not being the case. But we shall see with all the shaking and shuffling going on in the world of college football. All right. Are we all caught up? Everybody good? All right. So let's talk some Falcons while we got a second here. Joe Patrick coming up in about just 10 Minutes from now, he will give us all the latest from Flowery Branch. What did we talk about all last week, ladies and gentlemen? The identity game, right? The identity establishing game for the Atlanta Falcons. And then they went out, and not only did they not establish an identity, they made Will Levis look like a combination of Dan Marino, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. And then we saw Will Levis come back down to earth on Thursday night against the Steelers where he didn't throw a single touchdown pass after throwing four against the Falcons, three of those two, probably the future Hall of Famer in DeAndre Hopkins. So where does that leave us now for this week? Well, Taylor Heineke's in at quarterback. We all know that that decision came down on Wednesday, and it's pretty much going to be his show. I think he's going to have every opportunity for the rest of the season to come and basically say, hey, I'm going to take over this team, Desmond Ritter, take a seat, and we'll see what happens. I'm not entirely sure how confident the team is in this situation that they're presented with right now. Listen, guys, I don't know if the Falcons (laughs) – there's not a team right now that the Falcons would play that I would say right now that they are a dominating favorite over. I believe the line for this week is – Somewhere around three and a half, and uh, I'm not even sure it should be that high. I think, uh, honestly, at home, until this team proves to me that they can win a game that they need to win, I'm not buying it right now, guys. And it's really unfortunate because I thought last week was going to go a long way in establishing the culture and the identity of this team. So where is it at now, right? Arthur Smith came on Dukes and Bell this week, and as he always does, he says all the right things, and he does all the right things to prove to you that, you know, he's trying to do everything in his power for what's best for this franchise. But is that really the case right now? Is that really what's happening at Flowery Branch? And and the fact that that even needs to be in question is a really, really, really unfortunate state of affairs. You have people questioning the play calling. You have people questioning if Arthur Smith – really knows what he's doing. You had that viral video from uh, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner go go viral because he was questioning. And he showed you on five or six different plays that Arthur Smith was, the play design was letting runners get free to the quarterback and the offensive line wasn't doing their job and receivers were running down the field, but Desmond Ritter had no time to throw the ball. So we'll see if an offensive line that has been severely underperforming is going to be able to you know, basically collectively catch their breath and respond against the Vikings pass rush that is strong but can be exposed. How about something that Mike Bell and I talked about yesterday on Dukes and Bell? How about you get Bijan going again? How about you run the screen game a little bit more? How about you have yourself in a situation where if you have a pass rusher that's coming in Taylor Heineke's face, there's, there's an escape valve either for him or for the running back. These are things that we just haven't seen enough of in the past few weeks. And I'm not really sure 
If we're going to see it tomorrow, that's my hope. Um, but right now, guys, I'm sure a lot of you agree with me. Hit me up if you disagree, 404-726-0929, or follow me on Twitter at C Thomas Radio. I'm in a wait-to-see mode right now with these Atlanta Falcons. I, I got to see this thing work, man. I got to see it get to a point where they're comfortable, they're confident, they're maybe even borderline cocky. I would love to see that guy come out and score 21 points in the first quarter. How about that? Show me something that this offense hasn't been able to do all season long. All right, when we get back, we're going to chat with our buddy Joe Patrick. He's going to break everything down from Flowery Branch. What was the mood? What did Heineke say? What did Ritter say? What did Coach say? We'll break it all down for you. When we get back, we're just getting rolling here. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Other Side of the Glass. Back with you here on the other side of the glass. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Thomas hanging out with you until 6.30. Atlanta Hawks pregame comes your way then. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline and welcome in noted Ohio State Buckeye fan and our Falcons intrepid reporter Joe Patrick. Joe, did Rutgers give you a little scare there? Uh, everybody's been giving me a scare this year. I, you know, Ohio State's number one in the college football poll. I kind of laughed when I saw that. Yeah, I get it. It's about the strength of schedule or whatever, but there's not been, I don't think, a single Ohio State game this year where I haven't been pulling my hair out at some point because of the ineptitude of the team, but that's just a fan of me. So, uh, well, hopefully, that's... hopefully they can just improve over the, over the rest of the year. High atop the ivory tower, you sit complaining like that when your team is number one, Joe. (laughs) All right, let's get into these Falcons because this is a big, big contest coming up tomorrow against the Vikings. First of all, what was the vibe around the facility like this week? I would imagine things were a little bit uh, less upbeat than usual just from the way that the game ended last weekend and then with the quarterback change coming down midweek. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was talking to somebody about another media member. I just mentioned it, how it seemed in the locker room to be, you know, more quiet. There there were less guys in there in general because I think that a lot of them were doing some extra work after practice trying to kind of get up to speed with Taylor Heineke, of course, the pass catchers. And um, it just felt a little bit, I don't know if tense is the right word, but I think guys were just kind of more on their P's and Q's, just really, there was, you know, just a very focused group, I think. And it was just a lot different than I, because I joked early in the season, you know, in the week leading up to the first game of the year against the Carolina Panthers, it was like a party in there, you know, and the guys were having a good time. Everybody's, you know, joking around with each other, shooting the basketball, playing ping pong in there or whatever. And it wasn't necessarily that kind of locker room this week. And I think rightly so, you know, it, it, it definitely feels like a crossroads of the season. It feels like this team is, going to take this opportunity and, and go one of two ways with it, but it doesn't seem like, you know, the, the like this team is kind of primed to just kind of keep on plodding along. It seems like we're going to see them really kind of take a rise or, you know, God forbid it kind of goes the other way, but it certainly seems like a crossroads. So surprisingly, I think to a lot of us, um, Desmond Ritter did speak this week. What was his demeanor like? How was he addressing you guys in the media? We heard the sound clips, but what was it like being there face to face? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Ohio State at the top of this because when we were talking to him in the scrum, I was actually wearing an Ohio State hat. He's like, "You, you, you got to take that hat off before I can talk to you." Him being a Cincinnati guy, so I just, I just turned the hat around like he had a backwards hat on too while we were talking. We had a good laugh about it. But no, I mean, like, listen, I think Devin Ritter was very professional about the situation when talking with media. He, he didn't want to talk about it on Wednesday when he was asked uh, by media to speak, but 
to him for stepping up to the plate on Thursday because it's obviously a difficult time. And it's something that Taylor Heineke even said, you know, this is his first time kind of going through this. Heineke, of course, has been the kind of quarterback in his career where he's this is just kind of par for the course for him. He's dealt with this kind of thing his entire career. Um, but, you know, he said the right things. I think the most interesting thing about what uh, Ritter said in his press conference was regarding the, uh, the injury. The, the concussion protocol check that the team initiated from what I understand on Sunday against the Titans, because it can be initiated by the team. It can be initiated by the player. It can be, there's like four different parties who it can be initiated by the independent doctor. And so it was the team that did it. And he said that he feels fine, has felt fine. Uh, and that has really kind of not been a thing because earlier or earlier in the week, of course, on Monday when Arthur Smith was talking, that was kind of, part of the talking points about, you know, a potential quarterback change at that point was, you know, was, was the, was the potential concussion affecting Ritter's performance on the field and that kind of thing. So I thought that that was the biggest takeaway from it, but you got to give him credit for just stepping up to the plate and answering the questions because they weren't easy. And I, 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 honestly, the other thing is that I don't think he necessarily agrees with the, uh, the decision that's being made, but he's being a team player at this point in time. And I think he's going to do his best to help uh, Taylor Heineke in the starting role. Yeah, I don't mind a little bit of pushback from Ritter in some of those comments just yeah. because, you know, this was supposed to be his, you know, big year to show the the NFL world what he can do, and maybe he'll still get a chance. Who knows? But, all right, we also know that uh, no wide receiver one in Drake London. What is the plan there? Who steps up? Who takes more carries? Catches? All that. You know, I think Matt Collins, it's kind of a, a one-for-one. You can just swap him in, basically, which is nice. I mean, they're kind of similar profile receivers in terms of being big bodies, and I – I think that it probably will affect the team less than it might otherwise would, especially if you were sticking with Ritter because those two have had like a really solid connection even through most of last year as well when Ritter first got into the job. Um, but I think that also, you know, with Heineke, he's been throwing to guys like Matt Collins and like Van Jefferson and Scotty Miller, and you saw him hooking up with those guys against Tennessee, Carol Hodge as well, is one of those guys who he works with a lot on, you know, running scout team for the first team defense during practice. So, uh, while they haven't been in like the scheme in the Falcon scheme running some of these plays, I do think that there's a better sense for for Heineke as to how fast these players are going to run certain routes, you know, and, and that's a lot of what the connection is between a quarterback and his receivers are just those little things. How are they going to get in and out of their routes? How long is it going to take them to get downfield to certain you know uh, landmarkers that you need to hit? So. Um, I, I think that it might not affect the team as much, but obviously it's still a big loss. Drake London's an important player, and it's just funny to me that um, in any other week that would be the easy number one story for this team, but there's obviously been so much upheaval on the roster with what's happened at, with Ritter and obviously with Grady Jarrett's injury last week that um, it's almost like the, the Drake London news not playing this week. It's almost like it's fallen by the wayside and we're like hardly paying attention to it. It's like the third most important thing that happened this week. Yeah, and another thing that I think is uh, slipped a lot of ire from both the media, the fan base, and everything just because it's fallen down the depth chart of topics to talk about is the play of the offensive line, Joe, and they're going to be faced mm. with uh, you know a stout defensive front once again, we saw them not step up to the plate against a stout defensive front from Tennessee. So what's the game plan here? How do they get back on track running the football against the Hunter and crew? Yeah, well, this is huge because, I mean, like we, we've seen this offensive line kind of look it, like in shambles at times this season, uh, obviously on the road against the Lions. Actually, that first home game against the Carolina Panthers there, you know, the, Caleb and Gary obviously had his struggles against Brian Burns in that one. 
Um, there's just been a lot too many games where things just look completely discombobulated along that offensive line. And I thought that, um, you know, to even make things worse, we saw the, the snapping issues from Drew Gallman kind of rear their ugly head in the game against Tennessee. And I think we had started to see them creep in a little bit more in the weeks before that. And then they were just, a, a, you know, really bad and, and noticeable in that Tennessee game. And you, and you also saw just like some, some very obvious, like, communication issues with, with blitzers not getting picked up and getting free runs in at Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. And so those are just the things that like a good team can't do. Like, okay, you can get beat on a play or many plays. Like it, that's one thing, but it's a totally different animal when you're just not communicating and not even giving yourself a chance to win uh, and on, on blocking plays or on, on certain blocks and things like that. So they got to get that sort, sorted out. And I think that it does really kind of, start with Drew Dahlman. A lot of the, you know, the snapping issues are obvious, but he's also responsible for doing a lot of communicating. And Arthur Smith has said that they put a lot on Dahlman's plate in terms of identifying certain, you know, defensive fronts. And that goes into the checks that they make at the quarterback position and what plays they're going to run. Because so much of the NFL, these modern NFL offenses are, it might not be an RPO play necessarily, but it might be a thing where you go up to to the to the line thinking that you're gonna you know run, and then with, based on the look that they give you, you gotta pass it. So there's a lot, just a lot of that goes on pre-snap, and and this offensive line's kind of gotta gotta get that communication sorted out. And the other thing would. It's one thing to have to kind of get that thing sorted out. It's another thing to have to do that against the Brian Flores defense, who's going to come at you with blitzes kind of that you may have never even seen before. Taylor Heineke was saying that like Minnesota Vikings are probably one of the few teams in the NFL where they might go cover zero on first and ten from the twenty-five off of a touchback, just because um, they kind of have to do that with some of the talents that they have. That's obviously their strength, but it's also kind of a way that they can keep offenses guessing is to just bring blitzes like they do. And so he's obviously known for that as well as a defensive coordinator. So it's not going to be an easy test. I know we look at this Minnesota team as one that's very winnable, uh, a beatable team, and they certainly are. But on the defensive side of the ball, they bring the heat, and the Falcons' offensive line has got to be ready to pick that up. Talking all things Falcons, Vikings with our buddy Joe Patrick here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. What did you make of this viral video from Kurt Warner that sort of caught the attention of the Falcons <laughs> nation and the national media as well? Do you think it was a fair representation for the criticisms that Arthur Smith got following the release of that video? So, yeah, this has come kind of a controversial subject. I mean, I think that what you see uh, Kurt Warner identifying in those videos are like definitely flaws and definitely um, you know, there, there are definitely breakdowns happening on those plays. I'm not so certain that what he is prescribing uh, is actually what is like what the breakdown is again. Like there's one in particular where um, it's a handoff actually to Bijan and it gets stuff in the backfield. And there's like a guy, there's an end that doesn't get picked, blocked, picked up that John Smith runs past. So, you know, that, and, and Kurt Warner kind of you know, talks about the blocking there. It's got to be better. You can't be having these, un, these unblocked edge rushers. But I think part of that is, again, like, I think that that is on the quarterback to be making the right reads. Because if you look at that particular play, John Luke Smith, he doesn't block the edge and is immediately turning around to look for the ball with his hands up. And then when he realizes it's been hand, handed off, he kind of like he kind of lifts his hands like, oh, I had it, I was open, and he was like, if that was a fake, and and you and you dump it to to John Smith right there, he's got so much room to run, and I think that that is more the reason why that Arthur Smith made this quarterback switch this week instead of the fact that like, it's not like Ritter or it doesn't make certain throws. That, 
to you know just make make the right checks. That's that's my read on it at least. So um, I know that there's a lot of fans that are kind of uh, set up with Arthur Smith and the way that he talks about these things. And listen, he's he's an offensive lineman at heart. These guys, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, you learn to like you know have banter with people, and it kind of becomes part of your personality. And it certainly is with Arthur Smith. And so. I kind of find it amusing the fact that people get upset at the way he kinds of, he, you know, his turn of phrase with how he thinks about something here or there. Um, but listen, I think that that Kurt Warner diagnosis, like the, the, the analysis that's out there is very valuable for our Falcons fans to see and to see some of the breakdowns. I just don't know if, you know, some of the, yeah, what he's, what he's saying were the problems were actually the problem. Because listen, Arthur Smith did not, did not want to make this quarterback move. I think that that was, plainly obvious he wanted Desmond to work through these things but you and if you look at the stats I mean he was eight for 12 but he got sacked five times and I've got to think that part of the reason why is because he should have been getting rid of the ball or not been in some of those um, circumstances to get himself sacked and, and creating a lot of those negative plays that the Falcons offense just you know those are those are drive killers and, and and I think that that's what Arthur Smith was seeing out of the offense under Desmond Ritter do you think that the defense got exposed at all last week or was that just a fluke I think they got caught out. Like, I think that they were trying to make plays because they were going up against this rookie quarterback uh, and they were trying to win this game basically. And, and, and they just kind of got, you know, they got caught and they, and yeah, I guess, so I guess that that would be kind of the exposed. I don't think that it's one of those things where they were exposed and showed vulnerabilities that other teams are going to kind of, you know, uh, use the blueprint to continually beat them. I think that they'll, they're very fixable issues that they were they were that they were um you know, problems that they were having in the game i think they were just trying to like you know be to be a little bit overly aggressive especially at the back end of the secondary and one of those long plays was a obvious offensive pass interference so you know there was a lot of things that happened but you know uh, again the other thing with this this uh defensive unit in that tennessee game was i know a lot of people are saying they did a decent job against uh, against um uh, uh, Derek Henry because uh, the, the, you know the yards weren't astronomical or anything, but his success rate was still really good. He was picking up the yards that he needed to in certain situations, and um, you know it's not going to get any easier for the Falcons' defensive front without Grady Jarrett and without LaCale London, who was kind of the guy that they were going to. Uh, that was really in the heart of that defensive line on that second unit. They will be without him for the next four weeks at least because he was on IR, and I saw him in the locker room with a a boot on his ankle. So. Um, it's going to be, you know, they're going to have to have guys step up and, and hopefully they can. And, you know, at least the, this is an opportunity against this Minnesota offense for them to, to get things straightened out. But I'm sure that Minnesota will sure will show a lot of unscouted looks with a new quarterback that can um, do things with his legs as well. So it's, it's still going to be a challenge for them. They can't just take it for granted, this opportunity that they have. All right, Joe, last one before I let you go. Does Atlanta United keep their season alive on Tuesday? I would love to say yes, but I don't think so. I mean, uh, I think the, the the opening game of the series showed that they're just kind of outclassed by a better team with better players, and that's that's most of what soccer is about. In, in football, you can actually scheme your way towards certain things, but in soccer, the coaches are very limited in the way that they can affect the game midweek and so, or in, in game. Um, and so I just kind of see this team as being a left team. And I, to be fair to Atlanta United, I think they kind of ran into a buzzsaw. I think that this Columbus team could be one that wins MLS Cup. So unfortunately, no, but you never know. You know, you never know. That's why they play the game, right? So you, they'll be out there Tuesday, and um, hopefully they can force a game three and go back to Columbus.
All right, Joe. Appreciate you as, as always. Enjoy that win. Rutgers gave you a scare, but you survived, yeah, my friend. Yes, yes. I'll drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Chris. Joe Patrick, first weekly spot here with me. Whenever I'm on a Saturday during football season, Joe Patrick breaking down the Falcons and the Vikings. All right, when we get back, let's talk a little Hawks basketball. Five true-false questions with our man E. Eric Slaughter, super producer. We'll get him involved in the program. Right now, Georgia and Mizzou nodded at 10 with just about three minutes left in the half. One hour down, taking you to 6.30 here. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, Odyssey app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.